Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, you are in for a treat. We were getting so excited about what God's doing in the in the movement church right now and what he has planned for Orange County that we thought, man, in our last Sunday at El Toro High School, we really wanted to kind of bring the rain. You know what I'm talking about? Like bring bring the rain. And so we, we have a friend of ours who is uh, going to come and deliver a message that is profound. But how many of you have friends that are like just great friends, not good friends, but great friends that... That when you need somebody to call, they answer the phone, or if you text, they text back, and man, they just are there in the right moment, in the right time, with the right words. You have friends like that? Awesome. If you don't, I'd love to be your friend. But uh, man, this this couple, they pastor an amazing church in Centralia, Illinois, and it is literally turning their city upside down. It is literally reshaping culture, and they are a, a profound impact in their community, but really, honestly, they've just made a profound impact in mine and Megan's life. They're the right kind of friends that when you're having a rough day, you call and they have the right words to speak. When we needed some insight on how to do some things and where to go as a church, uh, Seth has had some great wisdom for me in the right moment, in the right time. And so when we were getting geared up for our last Sunday in El Toro, I thought, man, what a gift it would be to give to you the opportunity to experience what we have experienced. And so our friend Seth and Karis pastor a great church, but I've asked for my friend Seth to come and just drop some bombs today and do an awesome job, and it is phenomenal. So would you do me a favor and give a movement church welcome to my friend, Pastor Seth Baltzell. Come on. All right, all right. You guys good? All right, man, it, it really is an honor to be here. And David and Cherie, man, it's so good to see you guys. We love you. They were, Man, you guys are awesome. So you should be up here speaking, but I got the microphone. So, um, <laughs> hey, so good to, good to be here. It really is an honor to be here. Um, and so I, I just wanted you guys to know this about your pastors. Like, <clears throat> they're great friends. Um, but I know sometimes, especially if you're new to the Christian faith, uh, I know sometimes like leader, Christian leaders, you can be a little skeptical of, right? And rightfully so sometimes. And so you guys can be skeptical, but I just want you guys to know uh, from someone who's um, seen them on stage like you have, but more importantly, seen them behind the scenes. And they are the same people behind the scenes. And I really think better, but like same people, <laughs> not that you're not good on stage and I mean it that way. Okay. So like, but, but I think they're, man, they're incredible people and they are who they are. And so you guys, I want you to know how blessed you guys are to have the pastors and leaders you guys do. And I really think that God has poised you guys to do incredible things. And so I'm proud of you guys and we love you. Come on, give your pastors a hand. Come on. Amazing. Amazing. Love them. And I also want to introduce you to the love of my life, the most important person in my life. And so her name is Karis right here. Everybody right? So yeah. What's up, Karis? Everybody's like, Seth, seems like life's going pretty good for you. What's your secret? Jesus and Karis. That's the secret, right? You're like, she's way better looking than you. I know. So I, I'm a, I'm, I am aware. So, um, so love, she, it's, it's our first time to California. So it's our first time. It's both of our first time here, first time, her first time to California. So it's been great. Um, and so we are from a, a city that you've probably heard of. It's called Centralia, Illinois. Anybody? No, nobody. Never. 
ever, you know, like know, know where this place is at. So it is a small city. We are a city of 12,500, okay? So there were more people than, than that at the mall yesterday, like for real. So like not a lot of people, but we are in this kind of small city. Um, it, it is a, so if you're like, what's Centralia like? So go outside, look around and think of the opposite. And that's what, that's what Centralia is like. So it is a small town, lots of poverty in our area, lots of brokenness in our area. Um, you know, like it is, it's been so surreal for us to be here because it's so much different than here. Like everything from the people to the, the homes, my Lord, the homes, you know, and the cars, like I've been taking more pictures of cars than, than my wife. And I think it's a, it's a marriage issue we've got to work through. But like I've, I've been taking pictures of all these cars, like just so you know, perspective. So, so we drive a 2008 Mazda with 160,000 miles and it. Like, so that, that's what we drive because we are ballers on a budget. And, um, that's what we drive. And it's funny because literally at the gas station the other day and pulled up and some guy was like, nice car, you know, in the, in the best Southern Illinois accent, like nice car, buddy. And I'm like, thanks, man. You know, he's like, looks like you're doing pretty good. And I'm like, well, I'm actually, I'm doing pretty middle class. So like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's anyway, that, that's our city. Uh, it is way different than here. You guys have traffic jams. We have traffic jams when they're harvesting the corn, which is right now, like it's a whole thing. Um, we went to y'all's Fashion Island. Y'all have, we have a place called Dollar General around the corner from the meth lab. You know what I'm talking about? So that's just, that's real life. That's where we're from. So for real though, our area is, there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of poverty. Uh, so, so get this, real stats. Um, our average household income is 33,000 household. Okay. Um, get this. Only 7% of the kids, the students in our middle school, only 7% live with biological mom and dad. So broken homes, broken families, a broken city. And it's interesting because I'm from there. Karis is from Houston. Houston, anybody? And so Houston uh, and, and the, kind of the Beaumont area, she's from Texas. And we did ministry there for a few years. Then we moved away. And here's why we moved away is because when we lived there the first time, where I'm from, um, you know, we were so familiar with it. I, at least I'm familiar with it. It's my hometown, you know. And here's what I found out about when you're familiar with a place. Familiarity sometimes can give you foggy eyes. Familiarity can kind of give you foggy vision, you know, because it's like, it, it's like the soup you swim in. It's like you're every day. You're so familiar with it, you know. And so sometimes when you're familiar, you can't see what's really there. And sometimes when you're familiar, all you can really see is what's not there. And so for us, we were so familiar and we were just like, man, you know, there's nothing here. There's no jobs and there's no, you know, there's no sit down restaurants, <laughs> you know, and things like that. There's no Starbucks. Like our Starbucks is McDonald's, like not joking. And so like there's no Starbucks, there's none of that stuff. And so all we could see is what was not there. But it's interesting. We moved away and did ministry in Texas for several years. And while we were there, we would start to come back and we would start to see this city with un with, with, without the familiarity of it, right? We start to see it in a new way. And when you remove the familiarity, all of a sudden you start to see it with, with clear vision, with, it, with clear eyes. You start to see it in a different way. You start to see it with fresh eyes. And when you're familiar with it, sometimes all you can see is what's not there. But with fresh eyes, we could start to see what was there. And what was there was some hurting people. And what was there was some, some broken homes and some broken families. And God called us to move back to that place and to, to launch a church. And it's been incredible. It's been, on, it's been awesome, you know. But here's what I know. I know sometimes um, when you're familiar, I'll say it this way, when you know your surroundings, it can numb your senses. 
When you know your surroundings, it can numb your senses. So a great example of this is like most, most automobile accidents happen close to home because you're familiar, so your senses are numbed. It happens in the natural, but also happens in the supernatural and the spiritual. Like Jesus in his hometown, in his familiar place, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah because they're familiar with him. And so what I want to do today, and my hope, is to kind of maybe bring some, some vision and, and maybe my eyes and our eyes from a place where we're not familiar with where you're from, where you, this, this place, you know, this crazy place called Orange County, you know. We're not familiar with this. So, and my prayer is that maybe you could like leave here and I just want to disrupt your familiar, if that's okay. I want to disrupt your familiar. I want to show you a scripture, something, actually I'll show you that in a second, but I want to tell you a story about something that's kind of changed really us and, and our heart for our church and our city over the last few months. Do you guys remember a few months ago when um, the, the story of the, the, the kids who got stuck in the cave in Thailand? Do you guys remember that story? So this story comes on the news, you know, and you, you probably haven't heard anything about it because that's the way our news cycle works, right? Yeah. It's like kids in a cave, like judges, you know, it's just like, it's all over the place. And so, but for just a moment, there was these kids that were stuck in a cave. And if you remember the story, like they're stuck and, and they like, there's no, like they're thinking they can't get out, water's rising, it's a whole deal, you know? And so I'm watching the story on my recliner in my safe, comfortable house, you know, and I'm watching the story and you guys know how it is. You're kind of flipping. Um, anybody else got a recliner? I got my recliner. Like, don't sit in my recliner. You come to my house, you can like, don't sit in my recliner. So I'm sitting in my recliner, and I'm, I'm flipping through the channels, you know, and the story comes on about, about these kids stuck. And here's honestly my reaction. I'm, I'm flipping, because we're so used to hearing bad news, because that's, that's what they want to, you know, give us. So the bad news comes on, this, and, and I hear this story, and my, my response is like, well, isn't that terrible, you know? And I'm like, Jesus bless them. I mean, you know, not that I literally said that, but that's, that's kind of like, well, we'll just pray for them. Because, you know, how many of y'all know we say we're going to pray, but really that's a whole other thing. And so, like, we're just going to pray for them. And then, then here's really what, what I thought was, I hope someone does something. I hope someone does something, you know? And, and, and so my, my thought was, hope someone does something. I hope it works out for them, you know? And here I'm going to change the channel, but God just kind of stopped me as I was getting ready to change the channel, and I just felt like God said, look again. So I looked at it again, and I was like, okay, what do you want me to see, God? And I started seeing, okay, there are kids, children stuck in a cave. And I was like, hold on a second. I've been in a cave before. I don't know if y'all been in a cave. Like, it's scary in there. Like, I, I don't do scary stuff very well. Like, for real, last scary movie I saw was Blair Witch Project 1999. Like, <laughs> When that kid was in the corner, I'm like, I'm done with scary movies for all time. You know, like, I'm done. And so, like, and that's the honest truth. Am I right? Like, I don't, like, when the scary, like, commercial for this new scary movie comes on, I, I listen, I'm 38 years old. I cover my eyes and my ears, and I go, la, la, la. I, I can't, I can't deal, okay? And so I started thinking about them in a the cave, and I'm like, man, it's scary in there. I was in a cave once in Edinburgh, Scotland. Was tra anybody Edinburgh? Nobody? Okay, so I, I was, I was in Edinburgh, Scotland traveling in my early 20s, and um, they took us under the city in this haunted tour, you know, so I'm under the city, and I'm already scared, and we're in this cave, and they say, they say, here's what we're going to do. They said, in just a second, we're going to turn off the lights and let you see, let you see how dark it is. I'm like, awesome, okay, great, you know, so like, I'm not even, I'm like, I'm going to be praying the whole time just because of the dark. I don't like the dark. Then they said, and by the way, this cave is haunted, and it's haunted by the ghost of a toddler, 
who back in the day was looking for his parents because he lost his parents, couldn't find them. He died down here. So sometimes when you're in the dark, the ghost of the toddler tries to grab your hand because he's looking for help. I know I'm out. Like I, I, I turned into a 70-year-old Pentecostal woman. Like I'm pleading the blood over the cave. Like, like get behind these Satan, the devourer. Like I'm just speaking in tongues. Like whatever. Just trying to get rid of in this moment. Like, and, and so I'm thinking about how scary it is in caves and, and how dark it is. And then, but for real, I started thinking about these kids and I was like, man, it's dark in caves. And man, I bet they're really hungry. And, and, and they're suffocating. You know, and they're, and they're lonely and they're scared and they, they probably feel really, really hopeless. And then I started thinking about the parents because I don't know if you're a parent here. Could you imagine if your kid was stuck in the cave? Yeah. It's easy from the recliner to be like, hope it works out for him. But like, what if that's your kid? Wow. Like stuck in the cave. Like, I don't know if they're going to make it out. They might die in there. Like you're, at the, like you're at the mouth of the cave. Like when are they coming? You know, it's like, well, I'm starting thinking about the parents. And I was like, hold on, man, this is a really, really big deal. And then I felt like God said, now I'm the, I'm the spiritual father. I'm our father in heaven, yeah. right? I'm the father in heaven. And just like there are kids who are, are stuck in darkness, and who are hungry and starving and, and, and kids who are feeling hopeless. In that same way, outside your door, there are tens of thousands of children of God who, who, are, who are living and trapped in darkness, who are suffocating spiritually. Right, who are who are spiritually starving to death, right? And 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 they're they're feeling hopeless and they're trapped and they're scared and they're alone. And I would add this for you guys, because I I'm a nerd and I had to research this. Did you know in a 10-mile radius from here there are 704,000 people? Wow. And I'm gonna guess probably a half, you know, I'm I'm probably getting let's let's call it five hundred thousand are probably not in church today. There's a half a million people who are not just people, they are sons and daughters of God. They are children of God who are trapped in darkness, who are spiritually suffocating, and they're trapped, and they're hungry, and, and they're feeling hopeless. And, 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 and here's my fear. My fear is, and not just for this church, but for the church in, at large, is that we hear something like that, and just like me on the recliner that says, well, that's too bad. I hope somebody does something about that. Like I hope we never sit back in the comfort of our chairs on Sundays and say, well, that's just terrible. I hope someone does something about that. I, I want to I show you a scripture about why Jesus came. It's in Luke 19. And it says this. It says, for the Son of Man, so Jesus Here's what he came to do. Like, I, I love simple scriptures, okay? Like, I'm a simple dude. And so I love simple scriptures. This scripture says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Like, period. Like, that was his mission. So Jesus, why'd you come? Seek and save those who are lost. Like, that's it, okay? Why'd you walk on water? So eventually I could seek and save those who are lost. Why'd you heal people? Why'd you feed people? So I could come and seek and save those who are lost. Like, that was his mission. That's what he came for, okay? Let's just clear that up. And the good news is he did that. Okay, so by dying on the cross and paying for our sins and delivering us out of spiritual darkness into the marvelous light, Peter says, right? Like by doing that, he, he did seek and he did save us. For Colossians 1.13 says, he has rescued us 
from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And for us as Christians, those who may be a Christian here, that is incredible news, right? Like we've been rescued. Like we've been forgiven. We are saved by grace, right? We are forgiven. We are in Christ. This is incredible news, right? Like we get to live in the light in this life. We get to live in, in light for all of eternity. And this is great news. But here is, is my fear. I, I don't want us to be so like, yes, we celebrate that. But, but what about the others? What about the others? Yes, celebrate it. We are saved by grace. It's amazing. We are living in the light. Thank you, Jesus. We'll sing songs about it and we celebrate it. But let's not forget about the others. I think our temptation is to say, well, Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus can save whoever he wants to save, you know? I think that's kind of our temptation, but let me, let me show you one more scripture. It's in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 14. It says this in verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, good news, right? Yeah. Like, how do you get saved? You have to do, no, you just call in the name of the Lord. Like, that's it. The rest of it comes later. Okay, we'll get to that later. Like, this is how you find Jesus. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Awesome. Verse 14. But how can they call on him unless they believe? How can they believe if they've never heard? And how can they hear unless, I love this word, someone, right? I mean, I hope someone does something about it. How they hear unless someone goes, unless someone tells. See, there's got to be a someone. There's got to be a someone. You know, there's got to be a someone. And, and here's the thing, like, if you understand, we, we are the someone. Like, we are called to be the someones. We are called to be the ones. So here's what it says. Jesus came to rescue people, right? And we get to join him in, in his rescue operation. We are the someones. I'll say it this way. If you have been rescued, you have a role. We get to join him in his rescue operation. If you have been rescued, if your faith is in Jesus, you have a role. I'm going to give this to you, and you can write this down if you want. And so in our church, here's what we do. I do like a big idea, right? I do like this one thing. I'm like, hey, if you remember one thing, like remember this. And I tell that because like, I don't know, 6% of our people have college degrees. So we're pretty, we're pretty simple where I come from, right? So I'm like, just remember this, okay? And so just remember this. <laughs> don't forget. Remember this. And you can write this down. I think it's in your notes and the in U version, all that stuff. But here's what I want you to remember is this, that rescued people rescue people. If we've been rescued... Guess what? We're on the team. We're part of the rescue operation of Jesus for humanity. That's who we are. And so rescued people rescue people, you know, that that's what we do. And, and, and here's how I know it's supposed to be like that. Because get this, I didn't tell first service this, but I'm going to give you extra because there's not another service coming. So get this, like, here's what I know, that someone played a part in your rescue operation, right? Like, think about it. There's, there was a person who played a part. And just in that same way, you're a person to play a part. You're to have a role in someone's rescue operation. Here's what Jude says. Jude says in Jude chapter 1, he says, And you must show mercy to those, faith, those whose faith is wavering. So there are people whose faith is wavering. Show them mercy. Have some compassion. Love some people. But here's what it says in verse 23, the second part. It says, rescue. Everybody say rescue. It says, rescue others. Look at this by snatching them from the flames of judgment. <laughs> now, those aren't the kind of scriptures we read a lot in church, right? 
hey guys, can we talk about flames of judgment for just a second, right? Like, hey, welcome to the movement church. Hey, we're all about flames of judgment here. Like, you know, like that's not really what we do. And I get it, and even our church, it's like, I, I really believe it's the kindness, it's the love of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And that's great. But I think especially for those of us who have been found and rescued, let's not forget the flames of judgment. Let's not forget because this eternity thing is real and it's really, really long. It's true. It's forever. Yeah. Hell, fire, and brimstone. You got that. You know, like, and so here's the thing. We don't preach that in our church, like, but I think it should weigh on us. For those of us who, like, let it weigh on us for just a second, right? And here's why, because number one, here's the first point I'm going to get you, give you is the darkness is very real. Guys, the darkness that people are living in, it's, is very real. Now, here's what I know. I know that especially where you guys, see, it's easy for us to see the darkness where we're at. We lead the state in, of Illinois who's already like sucking it up. Like we, we lead the state in, in things like, like um, neglect and abuse of children and, and deadly drug overdoses and teen pregnancy, all those things. Like every negative statistic, like we're killing it, okay? And so for us, like it's easy to remember that people are living in darkness, but I can imagine even for me being here just a week, it's like it's, it's, it's a little harder to see, right? Because it looks like everything's shiny and clean and pretty. Don't forget that people are still living in darkness. Last night or yesterday, we went to, uh, was it Laguna? Laguna Beach? Do you call it Laguna or the Laguna? I don't know. <laughs> you put the the before everything else, like the, like the road, the four, whatever, so we don't do that. So we were at the Laguna yesterday, and we were, <laughs> we were, we were looking down, and I'm like, look at all these people. They're so happy, you know, and like they're getting out of their nice cars and, and you know, and the nice bodies, and, and they're just like, everything's great, and it's sunny, and they're frolicking, and it's awesome. You know, and I'm like, look at this. And then God was like, yes, it's beautiful, but don't forget that they're still living in darkness. Guys, don't be fooled by the shine of the things of the world. Hearts are still living in darkness if we're separated from Jesus. Don't forget. I want you to give a fresh perspective here. Because it's easy to see it all and to forget people are still living in darkness. They still have addictions. They still have depressions. They still have anxiety, right? They still have that God-sized hole in their heart that's not being filled by the things of this world. They still have that. They still feel hopeless. They still feel hungry. They have generational brokenness, right? They have marriage problems and they have kid problems and they have addictions and luck. Don't forget all that. Like that stuff's real. People are living in darkness, in this life, and here's, here's the truth, if, if that's not fixed, if they don't meet Jesus in this life, then they're going to live in eternal darkness a long time. Anybody ever been to the ER for like eight hours? It's hell. You're like, this is hell. Well, it's just six hours. Like, let's just, <laughs> the real one's longer. You know? So, like, let, let's just not forget that this darkness is very very real. And we are called to rescue whoever we can to bring them from darkness to light. Like that, that's what we're called to do. So here's the question, like why in the world don't we do it? It seems so obvious, right? It's like there's eternal darkness. We can rescue people. Like we've been commissioned to do that by the Lord. We'll talk about that more here in a second. Like, so why don't we do it? Well, here's why we don't. Number two is because rescuing others is costly. We don't do it because it costs. And are you talking about money? Like, yeah, it costs money, you know. It takes money to fund the whole thing. And by the way, just know 
when you give, when you tithe, when you're generous and kingdom build all above and above and beyond, all that stuff, you're not just giving to a church. You're not just giving to, yes, you're giving to God, but you're giving to God's rescue operation. Like you're, you're, you're funding the rescue of God's children is what you're doing. Okay, so yes, it costs money, but it costs more than that. It, it costs our comfort. And that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, don't we, hey, listen, in our culture, don't we like, isn't the goal of life in like the culture to make as much money so you can get as comfortable as you, po- you possibly can? Like comfort is the chief end of mankind in our culture. Like to get the best car or the best whatever, to hire the right people so that you can, like comfort is the goal. And here's what I know, that if we're gonna reach you, if we're gonna rescue people, we have to get uncomfortable. And that like, it completely contradicts the culture. Like it's so countercultural. So it costs our comfort in terms of time and, and energy and effort. It takes money. It costs relationship because we invest relationally in people so that we can show them who Jesus is in our relationships. We, it costs relationally. It costs our pride. Because last time I checked, like, listen, I'm on airplanes like all the time. And, and, and people are like, they, they love me until they find out what I do. They're like, hey, you seem nice. I'm like, yeah, when we're topographer. Like just the other day, guys, like it's it's the most awkward thing in the world for a pastor, by the way. Like when you're on an airplane, am I right? And like people are sitting next to you. And like, so I have a jacket, like I'm all tattooed up and stuff. So people just assume that like I have the worst mouth in the world based off my, my looks, right? So they just start cuss, like, you know, especially older guys. It's the weirdest thing. They cuss to like try to be cool around me. And then they're like, you know, mother wouldn't just dropping it, you know? Then they're like, and hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Headphones in, you know, like it's it's some it costs your pride a little bit to stand up like, yeah, I know it's not the most popular thing, but this is who I am and this is what I believe. It costs your pride. Then there's spiritual costs because when you rescue people, you are on the front lines of, of the kingdom of God and there's warfare. And so it just costs you. Like, it costs. It's costly. I mean, look at our boss. Look at Jesus, right? It cost him a lot. Remember the whole cross thing? Like, that looked, that looked tough. You know, like, it, it cost him a lot. And look at the disciples, y'all. Like, they're, they're hung upside down on crosses and put to death, like, all that stuff. It costs. But so, so why in the world, if, why would Jesus leave heaven to go to earth? Why would he leave California to go to southern Illinois, okay? So why? <laughs> <laughs> why would Jesus leave heaven to come to earth to suffer in that way, to be punished in that way? Because it was worth it. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't worth it. It was worth it because, number three, nothing matters more. Guys, at the end of the day, get this, nothing matters more. Think about, like, what matters more than eternity? Nothing matters more. John says it this way in 1 John chapter 2. This world is fading away. Okay, now let that sink in. This world, it's going away. It's not going to be here forever, guys. This world is fading away. Look at this. Along with everything that people crave, the things that we're craving right now, like the things that right now you, you've been laying awake at night thinking about, how can I get that next thing? And I crave this, and I really want this, and I want to make that, that move in my career. Like the things that we crave and that we want and that we need, here's what God says. Like it's all going away. Like it's not going to be here forever. He says this world's fading away along with everything that people crave, but... Anyone, there's the someone 
Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So we do what pleases, what pleases God. What pleases the Father more than rescuing his children? That's what we do, right? That's what we do. Nothing matters more. Honest moment, like I have to remember this. Because you're like, okay, I'm a pastor, but also I'm a human being and I have flesh. You know, and there's times where it's just like you get so consumed with the stuff, with the possessions and the achievement and the notoriety and the car and the house and the God help us, the kids' soccer games. And, and like, you know, and then like it's just so full of distractions, isn't it? There's all this stuff, and then, then, there's, then there's Netflix, and there's pizza. That's a distraction. Like, there's all, there's all this stuff, you know, like, and it just, it distracts us, and, and we forget sometimes. I forget. And so it takes moments, like, on the couch, just being like, oh, I hope it works out for him, you know. It takes moments in the, on the couch or in the chair where God just, like, slaps you and is like, hold on a minute. Do you see the bigger picture here? Because we get so distracted by all of it, right? That's why Jesus, came, he came to rescue because nothing matters more. So, here, so here's the plan. Here's, here's the rescue plan. If you want to know the plan, here's the plan. Jesus comes, he dies for our sins. He goes back to heaven. He leaves behind his Holy Spirit, right, for us so that the church can function. So he leaves and then he leaves us here to carry out the operation. So, so, so number four, you got to know this, that Jesus built his church to rescue. Why are we here? Guys, we're, we're, here for, we're here to rescue people. This is not a social club. It's not a non-for-profit. It's not just a good organization or a good cause. It is not a retirement home. This is a rescue unit. Like th th That's what we do. Because nothing matters more, right? Like it's a, there's lots of, there's lots of good causes. This is, this is the best cause. We're a rescue unit. And so Jesus built his church to, to rescue. And by, by the way, just side note, that's why I hate to see people disengage in church. You know, I, I like, I hate it when that happens. And I know no one's ever done that at this church, but like at my church, people disengage, you know, and, and, and they leave or they get frustrated. Like, you know, I, I hear this kind of stuff all the time. I hear people say, like, well, I don't need the church because I can do this Jesus thing on my own. You absolutely can. Bad news. It's not about you. Wow. It's about rescuing people, yeah. you know. Or, or I hear people say, like, they get their feelings hurt over something, you know, and they get offended or they're busy. Like, are they, you know, somebody hurt their feelings, so they're just like, I just need to take a step back for a little while. Like, Come on, Dave, have you heard this one before, Pastor? Yeah, I just need to take a step back for just a little while. And see, here's what happens. People get offended, and they're like, I just need to take a step back. And they think when they take a step back that they win and the church loses. But that's not the case. When people take a step back, the enemy wins and lost people lose. That's what happens. So, like, let's stay engaged in this, right? Okay, I'm offended. So we'll work through it, and we'll deal with it scripturally and biblically, right? And we work through this. And then I hear people say things like, well, I just, I got to go do something else. I'm just not getting fed. I'm not getting fed. So there, there's a few stories in scripture where Jesus fed thousands, multitudes, right? And I love those stories. They're encouraging to me. One of them, one of my favorites is Jesus, he fed 5,000 people on this hillside in the middle of nowhere. And that's just encouragement for me. Like if God can bring 5,000 people together in the middle of nowhere, like, we're, we're, like we love that. Like we're like, yes, come on, Jesus, right? And so, but it's interesting because I've read those stories over and over again. You know what I've never seen in that story? 
I've seen Jesus multiply. I've seen the disciples take the food to the people. I've seen the people eat. You know, I've never seen, I've never seen the disciples eat themselves. I've never seen the disciples stop and like take a break and be like, okay, now it's my turn. Like, do we need to get fed? Yeah, yeah, there's times, you, you know where they got fed? Sitting around in intimate moments with Jesus. That's where they got fed. You know why? Because they were on a rescue operation. That's why you've never seen the rescue and it be like, okay, we're at the mouth of the cave and we're getting close, but time out, everybody. Anybody got a Snickers around here? Like, <laughs> let's just take a break. No, you know why? Because they're rescuing people. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, like, we have to stay engaged in the mission. Jesus built his church to rescue you all. And, and here's, here's what you have to know. The scripture says this, that, that the rescuing, that the scripturally he calls it the harvest, the harvest is plenty. Like, listen, as you look out, as you drive these mountains or whatever, are they mountains, hills? I don't know what they are. To me, they're mountains. Like I live, it's flat, okay? So these are mountains to me. So like when you're driving through the hills, the mountains or whatever, and you see all these homes and you see the cars, you know what that is? They're not homes. That's the harvest, yeah. Okay, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, the harvest is ready. So when you see the homes out there all like shining, that's the harvest, and here's what Jesus says, the harvest is ready. People are ready to be rescued, but here is what he says. He says, but the rescuers, the workers are few. Literally what that means, people's rescuing is directly tied to our willingness to rescue. Like people's, listen, people's eternities, like, like not just them feeling good or everything working at home, like people's eternities are directly impacted by our willingness to engage. God, we have to engage. I, th I think sometimes we look out at the condition of our world, our city, people's lives, and we're just like, someone needs to do something. Guys, we are the someone. That's who we are. So here's how you can engage, because I, I got to give you something practical. Number five, you can write this down. Here's how you can engage and impact to rescue people. Write this down. Join the church, bring to church, be the church. Join to church, bring to church, be the church. You notice the church isn't every one of those statements because the church is the plan to rescue. Because it, that's the rescue plan, right? Leave the church. So join the church. So what does that mean? Let me unpack this. Because you may be like, so do I just sign up? And like, am I a member? Okay, so great. Join the mission of the church. Like, join a group, join a team, like, get on board. Like, let's, let's join this thing, right? Let's, let's get involved in this thing. And, and, like, for you guys, it's so easy. I love watching this video. It's like, every Sunday after second service, you can take your next step. Like, hey, you know what you should do if you've never done that? Like, take your next step. Join the mission of the church. Join this thing. Come on, this is what we're called to do. Like join the team, join the mission, join a group, plug in, join the church. Don't just become a member, join the mission of this thing. So join the church. And then the second part of it is bring to church, bring to church. Like this is one of the easiest things you can do is just bring somebody along. He said 37 people. I agree in Jesus name. Bring like whatever, bring however many people, like bring to church. And I get it that it can be awkward. It's, it's like when you're in junior high and you want to ask somebody on a date, right? Well, we got going on Sunday. I'm sure you're so busy already, but like, I was just thinking if you weren't, you know, like, <laughs> I think maybe you want to go to church with me. Like, what? I get it's awkward. It can be an awkward moment. It can be an awkward text. But listen, that awkward moment could give them an eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. 
That awkward moment could give him an incredible eternity, yeah. right? So like have the awkward moment, bring someone to church. They're going to come to a church where it's going to be life-giving and Pastor Carrie and Megan, they're going to they're give the gospel. They're going to they're gonna hear about Jesus. So join the church, bring to church. And then lastly, just be the church. Like, what does that even mean? Okay, so as you walk, as you drive, as you go, through your city, through your region, you are rescue. You are rescuers, right? As you go through life, as you're in your workplace, as you're wherever you go, like you are the rescuer. So, so let us just challenge you, encourage you. Let's let. We're just going to give you permission. Everywhere you walk, walk with some authority. Like put your shoulders back. Walk with a little swagger. Is that, what the, is that what the kids say? I don't even know. Swag, swagger, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they say it here that I don't think they even say it where I'm from. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, so like just walk with some authority, right? Like I'm a rescuer. I'm part of God's plan. The God of all creation, I'm part of his plan to rescue. I'm not in this city by accident. It's not just because I was born here. It's not just because the weather was nice and I moved here. You were here on purpose for a purpose. So walk with some authority through the streets. When you see someone that's hurting, encourage them. When you see someone in pain and needs healing, pray over them. Walk with some authority through the streets and through your life, right? When you see someone who's lost, tell them how they can be found. When you see someone struggling, minister to them. You are the church. Can it happen in here? Absolutely. Does it have to happen here? Not necessarily. You have permission to leave here and to be the church. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I just, I hope this gets in your, your spirit because it's what matters most. Kara's like, you can preach whatever you want. I'm like, I'm going to talk about what matters most. Hey, back next time, I don't know what it's going to say. So like this time, I'm going to talk about what matters most. Um, you know, watching those kids being saved from that cave was really it was amazing, and, and the, I think the, probably the most amazing part was when the rescuers were able to take the kids out of the cave and put the hands of the children back into the hands of the parents. Good Lord. I'm just like, I'm, I'm already a baby. I'm just like, what? Like, this is, yes. Yes, it was, yeah, somebody died doing it. It was worth it. And in that point, like it cost hours and time and, and money, the operation, and like it was stressful. In that moment, it was all worth it. When the hand of the child is joined to the hand of the mother or the father, it's all worth it. I believe there's going to be a day when we as the rescue operation get to stand before God and we get to literally the people that we had influence over, that we rescued, we're going to take the hand of someone who was living in darkness and join them with the hand of the father in heaven. And we get to be part of the plan of God. And in that moment, I promise you, nothing else matters. In that moment, you're like, forget about the car and the thing and the whatever. Like, this is what matters most. God, I just pray right now that we would just have your heart. God, I pray that our heart would be your heart. God, it's easy to see what you love. And it's not even what you love, it's who you love. God, you love lost people. You love your children. 
God, I pray right now that we would all get a passion and a burden for this region that we live in, this place that you've planted us. It is not by accident. And God, I pray that we would just understand that we're more than an organization or a club or a non-for-profit. We are a rescue unit. God, I pray that everyone will walk out of here with authority on their life. God, with courage, whatever it costs, relational tension, costs their pride, costs money, whatever. God, I pray that we would just give it all to you because nothing matters more. God, I'm praying for strength and courage to do what you've called us to do. Listen, before we close out, I'm, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you. Before we get there, I, I just want to say, listen, if you came in here today and Maybe you've been living in darkness. Maybe you're spin, you've been separated from your Father in heaven. <laughs> Let me give you some incredible news. We have a rescuer who left heaven and came to earth. And he lived the perfect life, the, the sinless life that we couldn't live. And he died on our behalf. He lived the sinless life that we could never live. He died for us. He, he gave it all for us. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is who he says he is, and then we confess with our mouth that we can be saved, we can be reunited with the God of all creation. So if you're walking here today and you're just like, I am living in dark, I'm, I just feel lost. Man, could I introduce you to the Father? Could we rescue, could we see you move from darkness to the marvelous light today? Today can be your day. And I think sometimes we made it so tough. We made it so difficult. Like, I'm going to be a Christian. I got to follow these rules. I got to do this. No, no, for right now, like, well, that stuff's later. Right now, here's, here's the thing. It's about our faith and our Savior. It's about our heart. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. Now understand, this is not like a magic prayer. It's not a special prayer. This is just a, a prayer to put your faith in Jesus, to connect your heart with the heart of God. And if that's you, if you need Jesus today, if you're living in darkness, if, you've, if you know that you're lost, do not have a relationship with God, this can be your moment. And listen, there's no judgment or condemnation. Man, we've all been here. All of us had to have this moment me included. So if that's you, if you need that moment where you find your father, this can be your moment. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everyone just to repeat after me, because here's what I know. I never get sick of declaring Jesus Lord in my life. So we're all going to say this together. And if that's you, you can just mean this from the bottom of your heart, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, this can be your moment. So let's pray together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I put my faith and trust in you. I give you my whole life. Change me and make me new. Give me a hope and a future. Give me strength to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Hey, listen, if you prayed that for the first time, maybe the first time in a long time, I just want to say welcome to the family of God. Listen, we would love to know about that. 
in just a few moments, there's gonna be a way that you can respond. But right now, listen, I'm not looking. Everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes are closed. If, that was, if that's you today, if you said, I wanna make Jesus a little more, I wanna be found, I wanna be rescued, would you just throw your hand up in the air for like one second, throw it back down? God, I pray for everybody who made that decision today. God, now I pray right now that we would all just walk out of here. God, people who have been rescued, God, let us live and walk in your call on our life. God, we thank you that we get to be part of the rescue operation of all humanity. God, there's nothing more important. Thank you for allowing us to do that. God, I pray a blessing on every person here. God, bless their homes, their families, their finances, their children, their children's children. God, bless all they put their hands to, their jobs, their careers, their futures, their hopes, their dreams. God, we give it all to you. Would you bless us so we can be a blessing to others in return? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.